even a game like Solitaire, how do you collect things around Solitaire? But but it's interesting because we have a, a deck of cards that was made in the designs of Solitaire, the original Solitaire on Windows. So there's all these things that, you know, it doesn't end at just, you know, okay, we've inducted the game, let's go on. We, we want to be able to share these things, be able to have researchers come and do cool things with them too. Welcome, everybody, and welcome back to Back in My Day. My name is David Petrangelo, and the not-so-stereotypical millennials have a uh, roundtable once again. The four of us are here to talk about the World Video Game Hall of Fame. So this week, I'm joined by... Michael R. Power. Ian Walter. And Rich Schnabel. All right, gentlemen, let's let's dive right in because the World Video Game Hall of Fame is something we've talked about twice already. It's been around since 2015, and they pick a couple of games each year that are nominated into this uh, shrine, so to speak. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's from the Strong Museum, which is in uh, Rochester, New York, and they uh, take votes from all over the world. You can, you can uh, nominate whatever game you'd like that isn't already in there. Um, and then they also have sort of a, a panel. And uh, we'll hear a little bit about how that all works after, because I actually have an interview with the Strong Museum that I'll put at the end of this episode nice. as well. And yeah, we'll talk about uh, why it's important to have a video game hall of fame because they keep a lot of artifacts from these old games and creators and stuff that you wouldn't really be able to find anywhere else. They'll have you know old computer parts or manuals or you know uh, things that they use to create the games that sort of holds on to them. Since everything's going so digital now, it's kind of cool that they can really get a hold of these old uh, artifacts, so to speak. So. Because of all this, we uh, thought we would do our own list of a uh, couple of picks anyway that we want to see inducted. They're, you know, maybe they're, they're just like our favorite games, but ones that we also feel like deserve to be in there for a number of reasons. Um, before we do that, I'll, I'll list off this year's nominees or finalists. So Animal Crossing, Call of Duty, also showing the first one, but would encompass the series Farmville, uh so there's that yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is like weird to say but then you think about it and you go yeah i kind of get it you know um so fifa as a series as well which is which is cool and surprisingly madden got in there before fifa did in my opinion that's that's surprising um mattel football which is like an old school analog type um football game from the 70s if you look at a photo and look up a photo of it and stuff you might might recognize it. it might be something you'd see dusted off in your parents' basement or something. Um, Guitar Hero, which I know was one of Mike's choices from last year. Mm -hmm. And I Good think pick. we all, yeah, I think we all completely agreed and thought, yeah, 100% that needs to be in there. So that's in there as well. Um, Flight Simulator, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is a cool pick as well. Uh, Portal, the first one. I don't, I, I think we've picked, we've nominated that before. We might have, yeah, yeah, as well. So I, I think right now it's 20, 2007, surprisingly. So um, it's getting up there in age as well. Uh, Tron, the old arcade game, which mm. is insanely hard to play. Mm -hmm. um, back when we were still allowed to go into arcades, I, I played Tron on uh, one of the sort of bar uh, arcades, and man, it was tough <laughs> from 1982 as well. Um, uh, did I say StarCraft? StarCraft is in there as well. 
And then finally the arcade of pole position, which is an old school um, <laughs> racing game as well. So that's, that's the big ominous list. name. That yeah, sounds oh. like a strip joint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then my favorite out of all this list, which I can't remember if we talked about this when we did the nominations or if we talked about it in a different episode, but I think it was in the same recording session that I mentioned uh, last episode about us doing it the last time in person, but where in the world is Carmen San Diego is also where on this list. in the world? I think you nominated that one. Diego. I, can't remember. I think I did. Oh, yeah. We definitely talked about it, but I can't remember if it was for that our, reason. Our episodes yeah. On this. yeah, exactly. So anyways, all of that's been talking too long, but uh, Mortal Kombat's also in there, which is from our previous episode. We talked about the movie. That's one of the choices in here. Ties all into everything that we're sort of about here on the podcast. So we'll start with Mike. We have a couple of choices each, uh, one or two each. So Mike, what what do you want to see in there that isn't in there? Yeah, well, it's nice to see that some of my picks from previous years have made it in. So I like that. I really, if I voted you have, for You one, have influence, Mike. You have pull. Yeah. Just give yourself some credit. Yeah. You have yeah, pull so. position, Mike. You have pull position. <laughs> if I had to vote for one this year that I'd want to see in out of all these nominees, I think probably StarCraft would be the most worthy in my book but i think i would vote for animal crossing just because i love those games and especially the gamecube one if that's the one they're showing or if it's the entire series because i like the switch one too which yeah, we talked yeah. about and if i were to nominate i'm going to show throw two games out there that i think should be in, in the hall of fame that i think both well one definitely will get in one day the other one's maybe an if but i'd love to see it in there so the first one is rocket league i think maybe it's a bit Ooh. early to pick it but i think the game has massive influence i think it's popularity mm-hmm. i think it's gonna stick around i have no doubt that it's gonna get in there it's just how many years until it becomes eligible i'm not sure about that kind of stuff so but just the impact that game has had is, is huge and mm-hmm. uh, i think it has staying power and it's that makes it's definitely sense. gonna, gonna it make is, it i mean um, that's a big part of it is they they have like their criteria as well mm-hmm. influence reach longevity and icon status are the four main things they look at there you go and i would say yeah rocket league has that tenfold you know on on at least three of four of those like i don't know how big it is around the world but in north america it's still huge yeah it's It's super fun super great game yeah uh and then the next one is my other one that's kind of left field but that's uh pokemon snap I think it's a very unique game, and uh, I think a lot of people remember it fondly. Uh, and it's N64, so it's old now. Could probably get in there. I know Pokemon Red and Blue is in there. Yep. But I think it would be cool to see a Pokemon uh, like a side offshoot game, not out of the main series, make it. And it's just such a beloved game. And there's a new one coming out. But yeah, I think those. I think Rocket League is a shoe, and I think Pokemon Snap is. A, eh, I would put it in there, but I don't, let's see how you guys feel about it. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think actually that makes sense. I think. For a for a one off game that is an offshoot of a massive series and stuff, the fact that it still is recognizable, that it has enough uh, love behind it, whether it's niche or not, the fact that people want it so badly and are excited for this new one to come out, I think proves that. Yeah, I think it, it would make sense, and I'm hundred percent behind the Rocket League thing too, for sure. And it's a different type of game, you know. A yeah. lot of games, there's a lot of Both first of person are. shooters and third party adventure games, all that. This is a game where you take pictures yet it's yeah. as fun as those other games right so that's a, that's a crazy accomplishment so yeah, there you go for sure um rich what about you man what's what do you got you got anything on a short list yeah uh how short can my list be 
can be as short how as you want. Can to, it, man. How long can it be? That's Ooh. a question. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I got two or couple? three. So okay, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. So um, let's just go with the the list we have here currently being uh, nominated. Uh, Call of Duty. I think it's gonna be my number one on the list that they currently have. Uh, only because I had the very first one for PC and it was uh, glorious. Um, I remember playing the um, the, the beach uh, scene basically of uh, 1942 or whatever. Yeah, the D-Day. D-Day yeah. stuff. And it was just, it was crazy for the time. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, the bombs going off, the sand blowing up. You're like, you know, uh, it, it definitely reminded me of Saving Private Ryan. And that's that's kind of like that movie when it, it was in that era, I guess. It was only, know, the game was only a couple years later. So it was like. Yeah, so you, you kind of like it, perfect yeah. familiarity. Um, you know, you had some uh, scenes where you had, there was like, you know, you're in Italy, I guess, or something where there was like a bunch of cows dead in the field. And that was in Saving Private Ryan too. So it just, I don't know, all that kind of stuff kind of brings me back. But I think it was really, uh, really great for its time. Um, and it just obviously spawned a, a crazy series for them. So uh, that will be my number one on that list. But um, a couple other ones I want to mention. Um, I actually have a, an old binder here full of CDs. And I'm sure I've showed you guys a few of these CDs before, but um Battlefield 1942 was Ooh. a really, really great game back in the day for PC anyway. It was massive. It was one of like the, the really big uh, multiplayer first-person shooter games. And the it was great because they had a few expansions, and they also had uh, a couple mods as well, like uh, player-made mods. And one of them was like Desert Combat, which was great. So basically it turned everything into... Um, like uh, U.S. Army and everything else, you were like in the desert and you're fighting and stuff. But it, it was just a game changer. Like the game was awesome. Anyway, that game kind of made my my list there. And one more I'm going to mention is um, Elder Scrolls Morrowind. That was one of the big games that I really really got into. RPG, first person, also third person, and it just sunk many many, many hours into it. Um, a, a few expansions onto the the main game there. Uh, it was buggy as fuck, but um, it was great. Buggy as fuck. And uh, I, I love playing it. it so it was, many other games are, especially and, to start. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's Bethesda, so of course it's going to be buzzy, buggy. But um, again, one of those games where it was number three of the series, I guess, is Elder Scrolls. Uh, Morrowind was, I think, the third of the series, and it expanded on to two others, Oblivion and Skyrim, and well, Elder Scrolls Online, I guess, would be the other one. And then. They are coming out with the Elder, uh, uh, number six is sometime. Yeah, whatever the next one is. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming in. So anyway, yeah. those are my two that kind of come to mind at the time. That makes that makes nice. sense. Those are huge, man. Those yeah. are massive. I, you know what? You mentioned Battlefield. I go, oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I played those more than I played the early Call of Duty games too. I love those oh, yeah. games. They were great. For sure. Yeah. And to throw on their Medal of Honor as well, if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. Sure. It's funny Medal you Honor. say that. Like, it's funny you say Medal of Honor because that was like even before I think the call of duty popularized like that D day saving private Ryan opening mm. scene sequence. I think we got it in medal of honor yeah, for before we got it in call of duty. Yeah. You might've. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. Um, yeah. It was just so on that a bigger was, those scale, were always maybe. the most fun levels to play. Right. Mm. Like where it's yeah, just like yeah. cannon fodder. On oh the yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. 
Yeah. Uh, for myself, looking at this list, it is very on brand with Back of My Day. It reminds me of when we did our last studio session as well. I know, um, man. Oh. Animal Crossing for you two, especially Mike and Dave. Uh, I think my only experience with Animal Crossing must be on Mike's GameCube at your <laughs> <laughs> parents' place. But uh, Call of Duty, I like that it's on there, uh, especially if it's talking about the franchise as a whole. I don't think the original was anything too memorable yeah it's like talking said, about like, the franchise yeah yeah like like i said i think of the second one or at some point we got that great d-day scene uh, in the in the gameplay but it wasn't until about modern warfare 3 where it got popularized like on a worldwide scale right like where it was like just like an unstoppable franchise yeah in 2010 um, 2012 whatever it was yeah but I like how Rich chose Battlefield because I always lean towards Battlefield. So if we're going to move off the, the nominated list, although I must say StarCraft being on there warms my heart, and it's always fun to see where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. Uh, <laughs> but in the past, I mentioned my love for real-time strategy, and I mentioned that Command & Conquer, if StarCraft is on there, Command & Conquer definitely needs to be on there as right. a franchise or as, you know, to pick, take your pick, Red Alert whatever you Red want. alert man Red but, alert, uh, yes <laughs> but battlefield man battlefield is like because i was never into call of duty like, like the reason why i'm so obsessed with warzone like call of duty warzone the reason why i think the franchise deserves to be in the hall of fame is because look at where they've gone from that mm-hmm. like kind of quick shooter which it ultimately will always revert back to but then they also build on top of that and now they have this whole kind of Call of Duty universe, if you will, and Warzone being a big part of that, where it kind of feels the closest like they'll ever get to a Battlefield game, if that makes sense. Um, and that's why I love Battlefield. So I would definitely take like a Battlefield 2 or just the franchise in general. I really like Battlefield 3. Um, and just getting sort of a modern warfare, getting to fly around helicopters with your buddies, you know, you can squat up is kind of more tactical than than the Call of Duty games because you're you go for you know play the objective kind of thing and you you he's huge scale maps as opposed to like these tight corner like murder death kill kind of quick like you know shoot die shoot die yeah you know? there's no yeah. really time for anything else it was more it was more my my jam too i think people yeah. love that and don't get me wrong like that that is a whole like subculture within video games but i always like the more maybe it's because i wasn't too good at the call of duties but it was like i like the more like <laughs> expansive um you know big maps and the vehicles and that kind of stuff so yeah yeah so battlefield and then and then if i didn't choose another choice i liked how um mike chose pokemon snap because that was like dave said an offshoot so um i I think like is counter-strike's not in there yet right that's definitely uh, a game. I'll double check. I don't think I, it is. I'd be surprised if it wasn't, to be honest. That's definitely a game that was... Uh, it's not. Like, wow. Half-Life, Very Half-Life is a great game on its own, but when you take a game like Counter-Strike and how popular it got and just how crazy it spun off PC gaming with, with in terms of shooters, um, Counter-Strike cannot be ignored. Like It just it became its own demon, and it was born of another game, like a mod of another game. It was game. a mod. So, yeah. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Same as um, uh, Dave defeat source. Yep, Dave defeat. Yeah. Just throwing it in there. <laughs> crazy. No, you're right. You actually that. You know what? I'm actually very surprised now that you mention it that it's not in there. And yeah, when you really think about the game, how it was a mod and turned into this massive thing that was standalone and is again standalone. You know, I've had a couple different versions of it, but mm-hmm. that an, initial mod stuck around for what ten years? Yeah, or something, and just kept going. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and was basically just treated as its own game. It was never really referred to as a mod. Um, uh, only in the early days, really, was it? And then it basically mm -hmm. was like, oh, yeah, I play Counter-Strike. Not, hey, I play this mod for Half-Life. You know, it was never really yeah. Yeah. that way unless it was maybe the first year or six months, maybe. It's like you know. Counter-Strike 1.6 and then yeah, Counter-Strike right. and then Counter-Strike Source yeah. and then Zero or whatever it's called now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy how that how that turned out. Those are, yeah, that's that makes sense. I killed a lot of hours in high school in Counter-Strike, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> one of the only games I could play on my dial-up internet, so. Killed a lot of is Half Life. Is Half Half Life has to be in there, right? Uh, yeah, it's right. got to be in there. Hang okay, on. hang on. Yeah, global. Because if not, we, no, it's we, not. We got to all switch our an answers to Half Life Two. We all have. I to. still have. I have that's Half Life. I have Half Life and Half Life Two CDs. Yeah, no, it's not in there right now. Yeah, and that's kind of my point. Is like, what? yeah, you, you either go with Half Life or you, you know you're well within your rights to choose Counter Strike because that is mm. its own beast you know and i agree I get, you can't get to counter-strike without half-life i get that but you know there, there, are other, there, yeah, there are other sequels on in the hall of fame that that their predecessor didn't make it right so yeah street fighter that's, 2 that's is the in interesting there. thing yeah. too whether they choose the franchise or the because i'm only uh liking the choice of call of duty because it refers to like the broad universe not yes. just like one game right because right. i think like those games don't age well if that makes sense uh, yeah, well, like, like the franchises, they don't let them age well. That's the problem is that they always want to make the next game two years after. So everyone abandons the games and they just don't let them, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just ends up being, okay, you know, one plays Call of Duty 4 anymore, Modern Warfare. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so that's what happens. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like he, they have the Doom series, they have the Mortal Kombat series, but then they have Street Fighter 2 as opposed to Street Fighter as a series, right? Which right. I think still makes sense, you know? I think that's okay. They have Super Mario Kart as opposed to just Mario Kart, you know? Well, I think that also makes sense, though. but, but you know, there's... there, Yeah, some of them are franchises, some of them aren't. Um, but yeah, Mike, you're right. It's like, if, if we didn't say Half-Life, man, yeah. <laughs> can, can we throw Blades of Steel in there, too? Oh, just, yeah. Seriously. Some Please? sort of old-school hockey game. I said that yeah. last year. Oh, did you? Oh, I love Blades of Steel. Yeah, there you go. I think last year I threw out Prince of Persia, which I think is yes. a staple of PC gaming. So. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. original for sure. Yeah, that's right. That rings a bell, too. So as for me, as far as this list goes, I think I'd put my money behind um, StarCraft, honestly, out of this whole list. And I think last year, if I mentioned where in the world is Carmen San Diego, I would still do that. But because it's with StarCraft... I put StarCraft in front of I it know it's it's hard this. to not choose StarCraft. Right? Yeah, exactly. I would honestly would love to see Portal in there too, but it's got lots of time because it's newer, so I'm okay with that as well. Um, so yeah, so those would be my first two sort of where I'd put my money. Um, my other my choices, I have three, but one of them is really obvious. I'm gonna have to talk about too too much. And I think at least one of us mentioned it last year as well, or the year before. And then my other two are not ones that are all that super obvious. So um we'll see where those go and you guys can laugh at me, but um <laughs> Diablo 2 specifically is okay. the one that is obvious, I think, that that should be on there at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. If they say Diablo is a series, I'd be more than happy with that too. Sure. Yeah, but something sense. about 2 just made this big leap, I think, for a lot of people. And another one of those games that I played on that dial-up internet pretty reliably. So oh, yeah. um, so my 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 other like my other one that's and again another little bit of an offshoot, maybe, is uh Duck Hunt. Yes. I mean, if, nice. if if Super Mario's in there, Duck Hunt's in there. If you had an NES, you probably had both. You know, 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm surprised that it didn't come as a package deal because it was in the same cartridge, right? So. Yeah, I mean, not. I think not everyone had it that way, but it was very common. Mm -hmm. As far as I knew, I don't know anyone that didn't have both, but I know that they were also sold separately and available separately. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's sort of um, uh, arcade technology in your home. That's really what it was, right? Because mm -hmm. you have the light gun that you would- We were all arcade. blown away by that thing. Let's be real. 100%. How is this happening? Yeah, how does Magic. this work? On our TV, I don't have an arcade in front of me. How does this crazy thing work? The reflection um, off the glass off the CRT screen is how it works. You know, you know what, Rich? You know what? Leave the mystery alone. <laughs> Did I ruin okay? it for you? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, bro. In some ways, it was more advanced than video gaming until like the Wii came along. Like until it started interacting with motion, sure. that was like. That was the, the next step up. But that. did you also remember track and field? I had that as well. Yeah. You had the pad yep. and you would smash the pad Back and jump. And and, oh, yeah. And like if you really, really need to run fast. <laughs> it's so just, difficult. Oh, yeah. That was the best track. Yeah. And you field. talk about ripping your, your hand apart with from the N64 <laughs> uh, thing. That would that yes. would rip your, your break your fingers. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, and then my other one that's, a, that's way out there. And I don't even know if you guys would agree with me to consider this a video game. But I think it is the first big thing that kicked off one of the largest crazes, I would say for us, probably in, in elementary school, but anywhere between five and let's say 13 years old, especially somewhere in that range was Tamagotchi. Oh, yeah. Wow. Why not that? Dino, Dino, Dino pets, Dino pets. Exactly. But it's all based Same off thing. of yeah. the original Tamagotchi. And for sure, I would argue that. Um, I don't know where Pokemon was at the time when Tamagotchi came out, but I would argue that there's a lot of ideas that are shared or at least expanded yeah. upon for something like this. And the idea of Tamagotchi and, and the way that it works and what you, what you do with it and such primitive technology, really, and how invested everybody was in either the original or some version of this, like the Dino one. There was yes. one that had you know wrestlers and fighters. Like There were so many different kinds that were like this that i think that you know and they brought them back a few years ago like there's i think that this is an, a no-brainer if it would be considered a video game I, and i think it would be i think this is a no-brainer that that should be in there but that's cool um, yeah i agree that's cool yeah i don't know that's my argument for tamagotchi of all things no, that's true. <laughs> well, it's almost I like mean, it's, it's a great... little game arcade like its own thing right like it's it's like having a yeah anyway, yeah no it's a great pick it's a great pick i think uh i think it was like I don't know where it came from, but I was, I think I was just like thinking, I was looking at Pokemon Go or something on my phone and I go, oh yeah, the egg and the sort of training things and the sort of, you know, making it a, 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 a successful thing. Um, yeah, you know, Tamagotchi is so, I think in the zeitgeist still for people even our age that, you know, it's a joke in Shit's Creek. It's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, like, I don't know. I find that and, and, uh, even more than Duck Hunt, I think I feel like this should be in there. <laughs> Which is weird to say. say. Honestly, like Pokemon had it be in Japan. But I just looked it up. I think Tamagotchi made its way over here quicker. Oh. Because uh, it says here, yeah, Tamagotchi got so November 23rd, 1996 in Japan, but it came here May. Oh, uh, I think, yeah. May. So May 1st, 1997, it was in North America, 
Whereas I think release of Pokemon in the US uh, might have been a, a month before. Yeah, so it's okay. 97. So yeah. Here so I am assuming right it was like two, time. three years. But I distinctly but... remember having a Tamagotchi. And then I'm pretty sure that thing went in the trash when I had Pokemon on Game Boy after that. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it, somehow it feels related. Um, I thought yeah. they were a couple years apart, but um, either way, I, I just I feel like there's a shared sensibility maybe in the games or something where you sort of build up your your character your your animal or whatever you want to call it so yeah you have um, a sense of you have a pet and you're taking care of it and you're training it and you're doing all these things and you're growing it. it's like a an rpg thing but it you know it, it meant something to you especially the tamagotchi you carry it around everywhere it's always on yeah you know it's always on and, and you have just three little buttons and it's this tiny little thing that is you know what two inches by two inches or something. And the screen itself is even smaller than that. And somehow it was like this, this long-term investment um, that people had for months and months. And it was like this big deal that, yeah, that you lost it or that someone killed it or you didn't pick up its poop and it got angry, you know, like, <laughs> yes. yeah, to, to clarify based on my, uh, you know, lightning fast search. research here. No, seriously. <laughs> Uh, it did like Pokemon was made first in Japan, but like I said, in 97, in May, it came over to Canada, uh, North America, that was Tamagotchi. And we had to wait till September of 98, I think, to get Pokemon red and blue. Okay. So, so here it was, it was, it was off. Yeah. It yeah. Was a big, so it, a it took difference. a while for Pokemon to make its way over here. Yeah. Well, Hey, I think we've all made pretty solid arguments. There's so many games to still choose from. Um, you know and, what, Dave? There's uh, one that I was gonna say that I'm surprised you didn't say, so I'm gonna go ahead. And oh, say do it! it. Do I it. want Max Payne in the world in the Hall. Of oh, yes, yes. All the time. Oh my God! Yes. yes. Oh my God! Yeah, I am actually very surprised Buddy, it wasn't that wasn't on the list. I mean, it would be at some point. I like just combining love, a yeah. sick narrative with like third person shooter. Like I was always a first person shooter guy, but like. Give me a good story and yeah, I'll, I'll fuck some third person shooter. Yeah, sure. and 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 just the sort of graphic novel style setup, the way it's narrated, the atmosphere and stuff. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's that's. Buddy, I, had a, I had a mod for that game where you were Blade. Oh, yeah, nice. it was yeah, like it, it was great. <laughs> Love Max Payne. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, that's well, a good. Also, pull. Rich, like it wasn't a mod, but um, the the fact that you brought up Blade. That final scene is straight out of the Matrix, right? It came yes, out it the is. same year. That's right. And they they did the Matrix lobby scene in in the in Max yeah, Payne, which yeah. which actually translated into Enter the Matrix on GameCube the following year. Oh yeah, yes, right. And, I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. The, the Path of Neo as well. I had that on CD. Oh yeah. And um, there's actually a Matrix mod for Max Payne as well, where you are Neo, and you actually go through the airport like there, like the the screeners and stuff and then you do the, the same yeah <laughs> yeah that's right they did have all that stuff oh man yeah that game was great i, I had more i had a lot of experience playing that a couple times i had it on xbox i had it on pc it was like yeah it was a fan, fantastically dark game <laughs> yeah max Payne invented bullet time basically basically yeah i mean basically. after the matrix did but you know no but it but it was like it was it was like you said it was so close to the matrix too that it was just like oh we saw this cool thing and now we can do it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got. I think we got a lot of good picks. I think we'll we'll keep going. And and so if anyone wants to keep an eye on what they're they're doing at the at the Museum of Play here, is that um, it is Thursday, May sixth. They are going to be choosing out of the finalists that I mentioned earlier. 
Um, and then they will open up nominations, I think later this year for next year's choice. So this is the 2021 finalists that are going in there. You can check out their website where they have their huge list as well right now. I think they have about 20 to 25 games already within the last few years. So it will continue to, to grow. And they do a couple, uh, at least uh, three or four, I think, each year. So I think the variety of what we picked out of this year's list, at least a couple of those will get in there. So, um, so yeah, so thanks everyone for, for listening. Gents, thanks for uh, for joining me this time. And uh, everyone just watch out for the, or actually keep your keep your podcast going as I have uh, an interview coming up with uh with the museum in just a couple seconds here. Yeah, I'm so, excited to hear that for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're going to dig into all the details about the museum itself, about the Hall of Fame, um, about some of our choices, about some of their choices. So did you slip him uh, Max Payne under the table? Like, here, you go. <laughs> here you go, buddy. Hey, I think you were missing one. You're missing one. Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna add <laughs> that in there Payne, and just Payne. bump it up the list. Bump it at the top of the list. I know this is alphabetical, but Max Payne can go ahead of Animal Crossing. It's okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's just All the right. headline. Max Payne enters the wall. Max Payne leads the way. <laughs> All right, gents. Thanks for joining me. We're gonna head into that interview in just a sec here. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Hey everyone, David here again. Just uh, thought I'd tee up the uh, interview one more time. I had a small, small hiccup of the export of some of the uh, the file here from my interview with Andrew Borman, who's the digital games curator from the uh, Strong Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. Um, I just thought I would uh, tee up the fact that uh, it's fascinating, <laughs> honestly. Um, yes, I am biased, and yes, uh, I did have a great time talking to Andrew, but uh, I also wanted to point out the fact that um, the Strong Museum is more than just video games. There are lots of educational tools. And if it's something that you can't make it to in person, like myself, especially currently, they have a lot of online exhibits as well, anywhere from the origin of some games, uh, board games, for example, old video games, um, and things like a brief history of women in gaming. Uh, I just thought I'd mention that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Andrew Borman, the digital games curator at the Strong National Museum of Play. Hope you enjoy. For anyone that doesn't know, let's talk about what the museum is. Let's talk about what the facilities are um, and, and then a little bit about yourself and how you're sure. involved as well. Yeah, so the Strong is the only collections-based museum in the world devoted solely to studying play, uh, its role on how we learn, on human development, and the way that it really impacts our culture. Uh, so we're home to the International Center for the History of Electronic Games, which is to say our video game part of it. Uh, we have the National Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, we have the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Uh, but really the key is that collections part. Uh, so the museum itself has over 550,000 objects in the collection. Uh, everything from toys and dolls to video games. Uh, and lots of tiny little accessories for dolls that always surprise me when I open a drawer. Uh, but with the video game collection, that alone is, I think we're over 55,000 or 60,000 items related to video games in some way. And, and that is everything, of course, from the, the video games themselves, the consoles, the computers, but also things that are related to video games. So, you know, video game action figures, uh, pins, anything that sort of falls under that ICHEG, which is what we call the International Center for the History of Electronic Games. Uh, so there is a lot, a lot of stuff. 
So we're located in Rochester, New York. We're about an hour, hour and a half away from Niagara Falls, just to give some idea. Uh, sometimes people here in New York and think, oh, I'll just go to New York City and we'll drive 30 minutes to get there. Right. And uh, it helps unfortunately, us too. it's a bit further. Yeah, it helps us too. That's only a few hours from, I would, I would say about three to three and a half hours probably from where I'm sitting right now, just outside Toronto. So Exactly. Uh, so not, I went up to Toronto a few years yeah. ago, you right. know. Yeah, I've been there to, used to do that for ferry hockey. between yeah. the two, but exactly. I guess that didn't yeah. go well. <laughs> when we're able to do the travel a little more easily, it's like a perfect uh, a few hour drive for something like that. So let's get to know. Exactly. And when you do come, you'll, you'll find that the museum is way bigger than uh, you may expect. So right now the museum is 285,000 square feet. Uh, and I, I actually went to school three, three and a half hours from here in Albany, New York. And even though I was big into games and all that, I never realized how big it was. So I, I say that to say that we have a Google arts and culture page. You can do our, our street view, which of course was immediately out of date because it's street view, but you can walk around the museum. So in that we have over a hundred thousand feet of exhibits. We have two different storage locations. Uh, we have tons of exhibits that range from things for children. Uh, even though we're not like a traditional children's museum, we do have play for everybody, you know? So we have everything from Sesame Street here. Uh, we have a Wegmans, which is a, a grocery store for people who don't know the best in the world, apparently. Uh, a, a little Wegmans that you can actually go and pretend to shop. But then we do have things that are more for adults. Uh, you know, our, our America at Play goes through the history of play in America. E-game revolution will be the big one for the gamers out there. And that includes an arcade. Uh, we have a pinball revolution or a pinball exhibit that is really great as well. And we have our women in games exhibit. Uh, uh, and we did touch on this briefly before, but we're in the middle of a big, big expansion. So we're adding almost 90,000 square feet to the museum. And that will be centered around the world video game hall of fame, video games, and some other cool stuff. That's awesome. Like that, that's not a small space. 90,000 no. is, uh, it's hard to comprehend actually. So like you say, the, the museum right now is already bigger than you might think or bigger right. than you thought even walking through the doors or even just passing by it, uh, initially, um, you know, what, what could you do with 90,000? Like what, what sort of exciting things are coming up? Cause this is a perfect time. Uh, I mean, I reached out to you guys before, you know, the sort of first uh, groundbreaking happened and it's kind of perfect timing to, to sort of talk about something like this because this expands possibilities, I guess, is a, is a kind of a cool way to say it. Right. Exactly. So, you know, right now we, we, in a non last year situation, we had over 585,000 guests coming to the museum, which is a lot. That's a lot of people coming. Uh, with this, the 90,000 square feet, we hope to get over to a million people. And, and the way we're doing that is, like I said, primarily centered around video games, though it's not all video games. Uh, there's other parts of the expansion that have already happened, like the parking garage, so you actually have some place to park. Uh, but the two main video game galleries, one will be centered around our World Video Game Hall of Fame. And this, we, we really are drawing inspiration from places like New York City, that have that higher end feel uh, that will elevate games in a way that, you know, those of us who play games see it as being important. But what about those who don't know about games, who don't know the stories, who don't know the people that worked on them? Uh, doing that in a cool way that I, I think will be really impressive. The ways that you'll be able to interact, because that's what we're about. Part of it is, yes, our collections pieces, but the other part is, you know, doing cool things while you're here. I think there'll be a lot of opportunities to, to learn about things that you've never heard of before using collections objects that are literally one of a kind. For instance, uh, one of the games nominated for the uh, World Video Game Hall of Fame this year is Mattel Football. And we're lucky enough that we have one of the early prototypes that was used to help make the game 
along with other material. So think about how games, unique artifacts like that, tell a story on their own. Uh, and there is no place else that you can do that than here. Uh, the other part of that, though, is completely different. And, and we're drawing more inspiration from amusements, uh, escape rooms, and that sort of thing, where you're going to be able to learn about the history of games, elements of video games, through actually playing. Uh, and we're really trying to think about all the different people who will be enjoying the space. Those that are the grandparents who have no interest in video games, perhaps the kids who already know everything they, or they think they know everything, uh, but everybody in between as well. Uh, and trying to make an experience that is both fun just for that general guest, but also something that you can learn. And now on top of that, we're adding a high thrills rope course above the diner that's inside the museum. We're adding a new outdoor play space that draws from board games and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, it's going to be really exciting once this all comes together. And we just broke ground yesterday uh, on April 21st, for those who are li uh, listening in the future. Uh, so we've got two years of hard work before it opens in summer of 2023, uh, but it's going to be good. Nice. A lot of fun stuff to look forward to. That's amazing. Um, okay, so you touched on the Hall of Fame this year. Let's, let's yep. talk about that because... Um, the last couple of years, I, we found it as a good quote unquote excuse to be like, look, let's talk about some old games. And yeah. this is perfect because there's such a long list even before this as well. Yeah. Um, so why don't we touch on first, we'll touch on this year. Uh, what, are, what you mentioned one of the games and one of the uh, one, yep. some of the technology, I guess, in some <laughs> ways with the Mattel game uh, that's uh, that's been nominated this year. So let's let's run down the list and, and talk sure. about how maybe. Uh, one year might differ from the other, let's say, yep. um, how you sort of get to the sort of final uh, final list nominations here. Absolutely. So first we'll start with some of the holdovers from the previous years, things that have been sure. nominated but haven't gotten in. Sure. So from 2015, we have FIFA International Soccer, big all over the world. Yep. Uh, holdover from 2017, Portal. Uh, holdover 2018, Call of Duty. Uh, holdovers from last year, 2020, we have Guitar Hero and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. But brand new finalists for this year, Animal Crossing, Farmville, uh, Mattel Football, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Pole Position, StarCraft, and Tron, specifically the arcade version of Tron. Right, right. That's super classic, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, all of those are. So So the holdovers are, are ones that are... Uh, you know, they'll, they'll keep, they'll sort of keep going down the line, I guess, in some ways. Yep. Um, you see it a lot in, in sports Hall of Fame uh, voting. And exactly. Stuff, right? How many times, or especially in baseball, for whatever reason, baseball always has that long discussion about uh, players being held over. So, um, so uh, how do you, how do you, so we have the holdovers, which were eventually, which were chosen, you know, a few yep. years ago or a couple of years ago and stuff. How do you add to the list? Where do, where do you sort of grab those ideas from? I mean, there are some obvious picks, ones that are already right. in the hall of fame that, that we could talk about after too, but how do you, where do you get, you know, the Mattel game, for example, and pole position and things like that? Like, where do those come from? Sure. I, and the first thing that we have to acknowledge is the hall of fame has been around since 2015. So if there's games in here that you're like, well, how can you have a hall of fame without that? We get it. We understand. Uh, but if we put them all in tomorrow, you know, you know, video games are relatively new. So there yes. is a bit of that. Uh, so really, and I can't comment on the first years because I wasn't here. Uh, but when we look at a number of things, every year we open up uh, nominations to where the general public can go to our World Video Game Hall of Fame website and nominate things. Uh, obviously, we look at that closely. You know, how many people are nominating Battletoads or that sort of thing year after year. Uh, but there is a lot of, of value that we get out of that. We see the things that are going on. 
Uh, but we also look at, you know, past comments from our international selection advisory committee, those that, you know, voted in the previous years, the comments that they made about the games, the games that weren't there sometimes. And we take that into consideration along with just, you know, the overall gaming landscape. What, what stories have come out that really highlight some of the, the impact of some of these games? Because uh, one of the challenges is, you know, not all of these stories are all that well known yet. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we nominated something because we read something important. And then you see all the academic research that comes after that of, oh, yeah, this game was actually really important despite people not talking about it. Right. It uh, might not be thing, the most popular thing in the world, but that doesn't mean it didn't have a big impact on such a cool industry and such an important uh, industry. Yeah, exactly. And, and part of that too, is thinking about what our selection criteria was in the first place. Right. You know, we're not looking to necessarily nominate the best games of all time. That happens sometimes uh, because they meet these other criteria. So we really have four criteria and this goes for electronic games of all type. So that's where you can have arcade games, console games, computer games, handheld, mobile, and electronic games like Mattel Football. But we're really looking at its icon status. Is this game widely recognized? Is it remembered? I think, you know, a lot of the games on this list are. And you don't have to meet all the criteria, just to be clear, too. Right. Uh, longevity was the game around for a period of time. And that can be both in play. That can be in the, the general public's eye. Lots of things come into play. Uh, and we are the World Video Game Hall of Fame, so it is a geographical reach thing. Uh, does it cross above international boundaries? Some do so more than others, but you know, again, that's all taken into consideration. Sure. Then probably one of the, the, the biggest things that at the end is influence. Uh, has this influence other games? Has it influenced other forms of entertainment, pop culture? Uh, and that one can really be a driving factor in pushing a game above uh, so at the end of all this, you know, we, we take those into consideration, we come up with a list, and then we sent it out to our uh, International Selection Advisory Committee. I think I got the order of that right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's composed of journalists, uh, scholars, people that are really invested in the history of video games and kind of the, the role that they play in our lives. And they vote and they comment on things. Uh, you know, sometimes games get tons of votes, sometimes they don't. And it's always interesting to see, you know, where the votes end up every year. Sure, sure, absolutely. I, I know that um, the first thing I realized this year, when when this year's uh, final, uh, I guess, shortlist was was out, uh, was that last year on, among our group that when we talked about it, this was actually funny enough. The last episode that we recorded in person was talking about this. So sure. this was for last year's selection. So it was, it's like this memory thing now that we have. We used to be able to do it all in person and now everyone's doing it from a distance obviously and right. even though we all live within like half an hour of each other now <laughs> we're all just sort of doing it separate but it was this thing that the, this is the, the, what are your choices like what, what do you want to see this year and guitar hero was one of them yep and and you know we had a really strong case i think one one of the guys brought it up and we all just sat there going yeah that is so obvious for us when we did that and it doesn't matter one two three whatever different iteration it is just the fact that it's it's guitar hero is so big so you mentioned influence yep huge i mean that's that's exactly. such a big thing and it went for so long and kind of continues to in a lot of ways that influenced a lot of different types of i yeah. guess peripherals maybe is something um so that's what stood out to us or definitely stood out to me last year. Is there, is there something either from this list this year, whether it's a holdover or something new yep. 
um, or something that hasn't been on the list yet that sort of stands out in your mind that you would just absolutely love to see and and put your name behind, you know, 10 times if you had the chance? <laughs> so, so I'll give you two. I'll give All you right. one from last year and one that I would like to see nominated at some okay. point. Again, I have very little influence on any of this. But, <laughs> uh, so last year we nominated Nokia Snake. Uh, I think that game is one that everybody instantly recognizes there's versions of it still available. And when you think about a phone being more than a phone, I think it starts with snake. Uh, So that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. I I was really sad to see that not get in, but on the other hand, Bejeweled did, which is kind of that mobile game that uh, is certainly more popular than snake is nowadays. Uh, So I get it. But you know, Nokia Snake, there's something special about that game. <laughs> I, I, I tend to agree. I tend to, I just totally see where you're coming from. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so for the other one that has not been nominated yet, this is the one that I push. And unfortunately, nobody else has bought in with me yet. Uh, but Shenmue, uh, you know, released oh, yeah, back in the Dreamcast yeah. initially. I look at so many open world games nowadays that you know, are fully voice acted. You have day night cycles, you have, you know, kind of everyday tasks just happening in the background to fill out the world. You have immersion factors of, you know, you can play uh, space Harrier and outrun in the game. I, I think that game is really one that's unique. And, and even though open world games haven't necessarily gone down the Shenmue route, I think a lot of them are influenced it, buy it in a way that people haven't fully recognized yet. Uh, I'll actually add one more game, a bonus game, just because we talked about things not being, uh, you know, necessarily the best game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just throw this out there. I'll let your audience decide. How about a game like ET on the twenty six hundred? Oh my god, I thought of that too. It was <laughs> for for so many different reasons, almost right. Well, exactly. At least some different reasons. <laughs> it's influential. Uh, yeah. It had a huge impact on games. International, you know, probably not as strong as people once thought. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly an icon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you never know, and, and that's what makes it so fun because it's not the best games. You, you truly have a list that could be really dynamic at times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, and I think that's really cool. Cause another one that we brought up last year among our group was I, I wasn't an early PlayStation player. I had, yeah. I still had my N64 and then eventually I got the first Xbox. So it was kind of late to some of the PlayStation stuff, but one of the guys that records with us sometimes with Jordan, he said the Jack and Daxter series is sure. a big thing, which I think has been talked about in the last month or two with, <laughs> with some of the naughty dog stuff that's been going on. So, um, you know, it's sort of like you mentioned Shenmue, how it has, you know, early open world stuff. Jack and Daxter is a mix of that and, um, you know, platform, 3D platforming and stuff. Sure, there was lots of 3D platforming. Right. There was Mario 64. There was all this stuff yeah. that you could easily think of. But it sort of brought it into an, a, another level, I guess, or the, at least the next sort of generation of technology and stuff. So all of that stuff, I guess, comes into play, too, as well. Right. You know, it's like you exactly. said, the impact is is huge. So. Yeah, um, and yeah. as always, we're always looking at our, our selection committee, you know, trying to make it a more balanced, more inclusive list of people who are voting. You know, I think of games like Super Mario 64 or even Crash Bandicoot to keep on the Naughty Dog. Yes. Uh, I think all, all of these games and all the games that have been nominated, like, I wouldn't feel bad if any of them showed up again, got in, like, all the games deserve to get in. Uh, 
But yeah, I, I think there's still a lot that are obviously missing. Exactly. Uh, and, so and like I, you said before, it, it, it's probably going to get there and you right. can't get everyone in all at once. And, you know, you don't, don't want to get too ahead of yourself either. You don't want to exactly. nominate 35 games a year. <laughs> so. and, and then induct 10 of them, especially yeah. because this does drive our collection. You know, despite the fact that we have such a large museum, we are limited on space and time sure. and all the other things. We're a nonprofit. Sure. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to be able to do these games justice in a way, too. So, you know, collecting cool artifacts around them. I think of John Madden football. We have a prototype of that on display. Uh, lots of really cool Japanese-only artifacts for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, even, even a game like Solitaire. How do you collect things around Solitaire? <laughs> but, but it's interesting because we have a, a deck of cards that was made in the designs of Solitaire, the original Solitaire on the uh, Okay. So there's cool. all these things that, you know, it's not... It doesn't end at just, you know, okay, we've inducted the game, let's go on. We, we want to be able to share these things, be able to have researchers come and do cool things with them too. Right. It's, it's a much deeper thing. You're not just adding the, right. a title to a Google Doc and moving exactly. on. <laughs> that would be the easy stuff, right? But it's yep. fun to be able to compile this stuff because I think you mentioned, you touched on it briefly and you did just right there too. A lot of this isn't just about the game itself. It's about the people that made it. You know, it's yes. really easy to forget, especially way back in the 70s. Uh, when things were so early and just kicking off that, you know, they were made by small teams. You know, some of them were backed by larger, larger money, sort of speak and, and groups and stuff. But it was still very early and still very, um, you know, groundbreaking type stuff. Y you have to respect those people that came before and those companies that came before, because how else would we would we be here talking about exactly. something like this without them? Right. So it's deeper than just just a name on a list. And that's the, the hardest thing sometimes is, is telling the story of the people that worked on it. You know, forever, like we have Doom in the, the Hall of Fame, of course. People know John Romero, John Carmack. Sure. Uh, it gets a little bit harder when you're talking about a game like World of Warcraft, where you have hundreds of people working on it. Uh, but even some of the older games aren't quite as obvious. You know, something like Centipede, uh, yeah. which got yeah. in, I believe, last year. You know, Donna Bailey and Ed Logg we're lucky that we have what was left of the Atari coin-op division when they shut down. So we have like location test things, documents for these games. Right. Uh, King's Quest got in last year as well. Uh, we have the notebooks from Ken and Roberta Williams. Uh, so all these things to be able to tell that, that story, you know, that games don't just magically appear on your shelf once they're done. Uh, all that comes into play. And the untold stories, especially, you know, being that the Atari collection is so comprehensive. We have, you know, video of the arcade or the, the factory floor workers who are, who are working on these things. We have the focus group tests that, you know, show the thought that went into why we made this game versus why we didn't and the choices that were made. Right. All of those things are going to be extremely valuable to understanding, you know, why games are how they are now, where they may go in the future as well. Yeah, it's, that's, it's huge. And, and, like, and I think you mentioned it actually even right off the top is that, the video games and video game industry is pretty young. Yep. You know, it's only what do you, maybe we can be safe to say forty to fifty years old. You there know, are plenty of articles trying to figure out what the exa first exactly video game what is. it is. Uh, right, I exactly. won't get into that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but still, relative to typical quote unquote museums, right. you're not looking at something that's three hundred and fifty years old or eight hundred years old, right? You're but there's still this drive to make sure that things are preserved because yep. so much of it is going digital now. So, 
you know, let's talk about actually a little bit of some of those physical items. Like you said, there's so many small little trinkets. You said it could, it could be part of a doll set or, or individual separate from a set or anything, but there could be little chips or there could be a particular notebook. Like you just said, that just (laughs) cued something to me. I wouldn't have even thought of something like that. So how do you even, how do you even uh, get a hold of something like that? Sure. I mean, this is the perfect segue to say that, you know, my title is Digital Games Curator. So I am thinking a lot about our digital future and all that comes with that. You know, my impression of in the past is, you know, there was a lot of outreach from the museum to developers, people who are either in in the industry or were in the industry saying, hey, you know, we have this museum. The museum has been open since the 80s officially. Uh, It's changed a bit since then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're here, we're established, we're going to be around, we're looking to build a collection of video games. Uh, and, you know, I've been working on preserving the history of games since I was in high school, uh, looking at prototypes and unreleased games and trying to tell those stories. Uh, but lately it's become more of, you know, we've worked with a developer. They tell their friend that, hey, you know, the, the strong is out there doing something or they hear about us through things like the World Video Game Hall of Fame. And they're increasingly reaching out to us. And it's not just small developers, it's big developers. You know, all the things that you see in the news uh, of current issues around game preservation, you know, we're talking to people, we're out there, we're doing this, you know, we're all invested in video games as much as, you know, the, the biggest fans of video games out there. So there's a lot of outreach, there's a lot of discussions. We do have a budget to buy a certain amount of things every year, but it's smaller than you may expect. Uh, but we, we, we are able to, to buy things, especially now that, uh, are unique you know the museum at first went out and bought there's thousands of video games from retailers that were shutting down that sort of thing old rental places but now you know we have a collection of video games so uh we we don't have anywhere near all of them uh but we have a lot especially our japanese collection is really strong we have over eight thousand japanese collection or japanese games all complete in box so basically complete collections of you know, Famicom, Super Famicom, Famicom Disk System, 64, 64DD, the Sega systems, PC Engine. I think all the PC Engine ones are sealed, which is a different issue. Uh, So so to to swing this back around to preservation, yes, it starts with, you know, getting the games and all that comes with that. Uh, But increasingly, there's also digital files. How do we preserve something on a cell phone? And unfortunately, I don't have a great answer for that. We can back up the files. We can do video. We had a a great video capture project that went on for three or four years uh, in cooperation with RIT, who is our local school. Uh, And those are all important because it's not just preserving the game. It's preserving the play. It's preserving all the things that are around it. And I think that's one of the the things that needs to be recognized, too, is ideally, yes, every game, we'd be able to play it. If that's our goal, though, we've already lost right right there's already games we can't play and you know that's not something we we take lightly we we recognize the loss there but there's other things that even if we have the game uh you know i use the example of world of warcraft uh even if i can play that 20 years from now which probably i will whether through legal or illegal means is that the same as playing world of warcraft you know even 10 years ago yeah, no, it's not. It's and I'm not yeah. in the same position. The, the other people are in the same position. So there is more to it uh, than that. But we're, we're taking all these things, trying to, to create this complete picture of, you know, the developers, the players, uh, the, the, the academics, the, the journalism, uh, everything that goes through this to say, this is what game preservation is. This is how we're going to co- capture the most complete story. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we work through it. We have a, a system of prioritizing things, you know, really focusing on the stuff that we have that's unique. All those floppy disks with source code, early builds, you know, documents, right. early videotapes. Those are a higher priority than backing up our 20th copy of Super Mario Brothers. Not to say that I don't <laughs> right. back up Super Mario Brothers because we need that. But, you know, we're really focused on trying to, to preserve the things that are most at risk. And, and, right. and that happens to be archival stuff a lot of the time. Right. Amazing. Um, all right. Well, you know what, man, we, uh, Andrew, we've covered so much stuff. Is there anything <laughs> we might have missed along the way? You want to make sure that we're taking a shout out, whether it's to the, to the museum or what might be happening with. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about the Hall of Fame briefly here again. Sure. Um, when can people expect uh, the sort of, I guess, the, the announcement for, for this year's uh, this is cho choice. Let me make sure I get the date right here. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to get it wrong on you, but I believe <laughs> that the ceremony will be on May 6th. All right. A Thursday. Yes, I'm right. Yeah. May 6th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. Uh, we'll have a, lot, uh, a video presentation. Usually, I believe, will be on Facebook and likely on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash museum of play. Uh, you can go to our World Video Game Hall of Fame.org website, check out all 12 finalists, uh, what are our small descriptions of what we think about them and why we think they're important. Uh, you can always tweet at us at, on Twitter, uh, on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think. Uh, and do watch for when nominations open for next year. You know, if a game doesn't show up, it could be because there's we don't know about it, we don't understand the full impact. There's any number of reasons. So nominate it. Get it in our eyes. Do cool things with the games. Let us know. Uh, if you have collections things, we, we have uh, on our Museum of Play website ways to reach out to us. If you have questions about anything that is on our website, you could search for, through I think, over 100,000 of our 550,000 objects on our online collections page. Just a couple. Just a couple. Just a couple. Uh, <laughs> you can look through our article pages. Uh our, our archivist, Julia, does a wonderful job making full finding aids. So, you know, if you want to know what's in that collection from Brian Fargo, who founded Interplay, you can go and look and go down to the box and folder level to know, like, oh, this is something that I want to look at. Amazing. Uh, if you want to do research here, again, reach out. Uh, we, we welcome researchers of all kind. Uh, you don't have to be working on a book. You don't have to be working on, you know, a paper. We, we welcome YouTubers, uh, super fans. Uh, just give us a good reason, uh, accept our terms that, uh, you know, you won't publish anything without getting proper copyright uh, sure, sure. and all that. And, and we allow people to play things. Come to the museum, come visit. We are open, uh, open every single day, except I think like Christmas, <laughs> and maybe one other day. So we're open most days of the year uh, and it's only going to get bigger and better from here. Tamagotchi, her new favorite pet. Yes. So what's that make me? Fish sticks? Oh, are you hungry? Oh, no, 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 no. By all means, feed it. Tamagotchi, the original virtual reality pet. Your care determines the pets you get from Bandai.